0: This is Endo Life episode 49. I'm Jessica Duffin, and this podcast is all about living and thriving with endometriosis. This episode is sponsored by my friends at BU. BU period patches are sourced by nature and they are backed by science. They're made with zero chemicals and they're 100% natural and provide cramp, period cramp relief for hours, up to 12 hours actually. The oils that they use are scientific, scientifically proven to reduce muscle cramps and therefore pain. I love what this company is about, Um, I love what they're doing and I truly wouldn't be without these patches, they're with me everywhere. I actually used them this week because I started getting interstitial cystitis pain and I found them really helpful for that. Um, So personally I feel that they're great for stomach cramps and IC pain, not just endometriosis pain. They come in packs of five, so they should last for the majority of your period, depending on you know on your flow. But they they last an average period, and you can subscribe so you can get them delivered to you every month. They're six ninety nine for a pack of uh, for a pack, or 4 four ninety nine if you go for a subscription. To shop, just head to the link in my show notes and start soothing cramps the natural way. This episode is also sponsored by my free guide Managing Endometriosis Naturally. This guide is perfect for anyone just starting out on this journey of managing and reducing their symptoms. This 16-page guide takes you through the natural treatment options and holistic lifestyle changes that I made to begin reducing my symptoms. If you're feeling overwhelmed by which type of complementary therapy to choose from or you're a bit confused by the endometriosis diet, this guide could really help you to get a good overview and allow you to begin taking steps to feeling better. As always, this guide doesn't replace your medical treatment and it's not intended to treat or cure endometriosis but it does provide you with options that helped me to live well with endometriosis so you can begin experimenting and finding out what works for you. To download just head to the show notes and follow the link and you can get your free copy. Okay we're getting kind of vulnerable today. I know how many of you struggle in your relationships especially in your romantic ones and if you listen to his podcast regularly a couple of weeks back I interviewed Mel Cox and hopefully you know you listen to it and if you didn't then and you're interested in relationships or dating then I do suggest you go back and listen to that one so yeah I interviewed Mel Cox all about managing the strains in a relationship due to endometriosis and I just thought that a real life example could be helpful so Today I'm interviewing my boyfriend Chris all about what it's like living with me and endometriosis. I feel really nervous about this one because I'm a bit worried I come across like a bitch and a bit like the very particular one in the relationship and a bit selfish and a bit work orientated and goal orientated I I you know and high achieving and stuff so it, it I feel vulnerable putting this out there, but I feel like it's going to be helpful. I think Chris and I are very unique in the way that we, I mean, we talk about it. Our our biggest problem is that we don't talk enough, but then equally, one of our greatest strengths is that we don't argue and we really respect each other. Like, I would never raise my voice to Chris. I think... I've slightly raised my voice to him once and he was super shocked. And it was just slightly, it was slightly, it was nothing like I can shout. I don't think he's ever heard me shout. And he slightly raised his voice to me once and I was really, really shocked. And I think that I'm incredibly lucky that I have a boyfriend who is so selfless. And I respect that not everyone's experience of a relationship is going to be like ours. So I guess take what you can from this interview, but equally. Don't compare our relationship to yours because we're all really different. And I think that it's relative all basically all my friends and I are kind of always kind of shocked by Chris's selflessness and his kindness. I don't think it's very easy to come by. So I appreciate that. And I guess one of the downsides to that is that it makes it easier for me to be selfish and put what I need first which you'll probably hear in the interview. I'm just being honest, I I don't know. I just feel a bit nervous about it. <laughs> um anyway, take what you I hope it's helpful. Take what you can from it. We talk about how I told him about my endometriosis, his initial reaction, how endo affects our relationship and the ways that we cope with it that are quite helpful and the ways that probably aren't so much helpful and we also kind we also share like some tips and reflections on what we've learned managing endo as a couple. I think this is probably a very particular interview because my whole life is based around endometriosis. You know, even though endo this endo life isn't like what's paying my bills, it's what I get up for in the morning and I can't like I only work on it on Mondays and Fridays and the weekend and I can't wait to have that chance to work on it. So I think Chris is so ingrained in my life around endometriosis, like it's the third person in our relationship. There's never a day where it's not there. So this is a very specific relation, specific example. But I don't know. I hope it's helpful. Like Chris wrote, and Chris wrote um, a piece about endo years ago, and you guys loved it. And then he wrote, he writes a column, and we now write a joint column, and I think people really find it helpful. So. Hopefully this very honest and bare conversation will help you. We don't talk about sex. Uh we do talk about sex in our column. I talk about sex quite a lot on the podcast, but I don't know it just felt like we wanted to have a bit of a privacy. So I hope that you guys can kind of respect not respect. I hope you guys understand like there was just kind of like a line that we just didn't really want to cross together. Um so we didn't. And so I'm happy to do a solo episode answering questions about sex if you want to send them in, but it was just something that we just didn't want to do together. Here is my interview with Chris. Um, so I wanted to start with how I told you about endometriosis because I don't know. I feel like I probably didn't do it in the best way. Um, but do you do you remember it? Uh. No. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, no, kind of. I think you, you know the story that I'm about to tell is that the first time you ever mentioned it to me was before we were together, but we were talking on the phone and you'd come out of what I now know was a laparoscopy. But mm. for some reason, I don't know, I thought that you were talking about you'd had an operation, something to do with your car accident. And whenever you said the word endometriosis... I think I thought that that was uh, like a like a condition you'd like picked up in hospital or something. Where like, did you? <laughs> like a superbug, like an MRSA or something. Oh
0: my God. I feel um, like this is... I probably didn't explain it properly because I think thinking of how I know, how I thought about you back then, I think I probably would have thought you would have found it awkward if I told yeah. you. But at the same time... I imagine you probably weren't listening properly.
1: No, and it was early. I was on my way to uh, school, not school, the school that I worked at. Um, so it must have been in the morning.
0: That's a great... Why was I on the phone to you at that know. time? That's so weird. I don't so know. Weird. But I,
1: remember, I remember where I was. And um, yeah, so I thought that you had you just got caught something from one of the, like, the doctors in hospital or something. Um, <laughs> so for a long time, and I'm not quite sure how... <laughs> We ever worked out that that's what you were talking about. But when I actually did find out about endometriosis, that was probably like a few months into our relationship, maybe like one month, two months.
0: I don't, yeah, I think it was one month. I think it was the first
1: month. Yeah. And because um, up to that, I think you'd had, you'd had a break from the symptoms for a while.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then uh, it, It came back full force right when we started our relationship. So I found out about it pretty early on. Yeah. And we kind of learned about it together because you didn't really know anything about it um, back then either. You'd had it, but I think, like I've heard you say before, you kind of ignored it and tried to like, you know, pretend it wasn't there or push it down or just hide it with painkillers or whatever.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's true.
1: Yeah. So I think we kind of learned about it together.
0: So... I, I mean, yeah, I can't go back because yeah, I didn't know about it. Um, by the time it came back, I didn't think it was going to come back, and that's probably why I didn't tell you about it properly on the phone. I have no memory of this conversation that you're talking about. Um, I think it <laughs>
1: happened. Maybe I dreamt it.
0: I don't. But it's yeah, like I'm,
1: embedded as a memory.
0: So, but you must have called me.
1: Maybe I don't because
0: know. it seems weird that I would have called you on your way to work. To be like, hey, I had an operation.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I probably called you. We were probably uh going to to meet up or something.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, I, yeah, so I didn't know much about endo by the time it came back. So I couldn't have changed the way I said it and told you about it. And I think that, I think on reflection, what I could have done is when you said to me, do you get bad periods? I was like, no, they're fine which was true of the past two years, but not true of like a few years previous to that. So I could have been a bit more truthful around that. But is there another way? I don't know. Should I have told you before we got together or should, or could I have done it better? And what would you have wanted to know? Because you didn't really have a choice.
1: A choice in what? You, well, having, you having it or
0: not? No, like it's a lot to take. I don't know. It, it was a lot to take on really early on in the start at the start of our relationship and yeah. um, you didn't really know what was coming but neither neither did I no. to be honest
1: uh do I think so the first question was do I think you should have told me beforehand yeah right um no I don't think that I think at the age that we were like and well we're not that much older than that now but like when you're young the idea of like going into a relationship and being like, look, here's all of my baggage up front. That seems more like the kind of thing that, you know, 60 year olds who meet on like match.com would do. Okay. If, if that makes sense, I think that it would be weird if we started off our relationship and you were like, okay, so here's all of my baggage. Just so you know, up front. It It was a lot more like spontaneous than that. So no I don't think that you should have told me up front. Uh I don't think it would have changed much if you had. Mm. I don't think I would have run for the hills and until like a few months in I don't think I even would have really understood the severity of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no I don't think I don't think neither of us did really. So imagine that I had known more about it at that time. Um and I Okay, so you wouldn't, want her, you wouldn't have wanted to know up front, but say like... This, I mean, it's difficult because our relationship wasn't... We were friends already, but imagine if we'd gone on a couple of dates and, and then I brought it up further on. What would you have wanted to know?
1: You know, now that you've said it like that, though, I guess it wouldn't be a bad thing to know it straight away. Now I'm thinking about it from like other people's perspective. Yeah. Like, I don't feel bad that you didn't tell me up front. But thinking about it, it would have been helpful to know from the off. Yeah. What I would have wanted to know would have been things that unless you're quite well informed yourself about endometriosis, you probably didn't know either at the time. Mm. In terms of symptoms, not like I'm going to have really painful periods once a month because, you know, that's fine. If anyone can deal, with, can deal with their partner having that. The things like the fatigue mm. and stuff and how that would affect um like time spent together yeah that would probably be a good thing to know because i'm sure we'll get into this again later on as well but like like when when there's things like the fatigue and stuff and like the the chronic pain that kind of wears you down emotionally when that gets in the way of interpersonal like relationship stuff that can feel you know for me and you uh, there can be like it can be taken personally sometimes Mm. and that can like get in the way of you know like your vision can be clouded and i can be like annoyed about something or annoyed at you about something but it's not really you that i'm annoyed at it's like endo yeah so being aware of those things from the off would be good because you'd kind of go into it with all the relevant information and hopefully that would improve those aspects of it as well
0: (sighs) i might be asking a question that you're not going to answer how did you feel when I, t- when I told you? Uh,
1: I, I don't, really didn't think I understood at first. Um, yeah. I'm sure that I reacted pretty, like, level-headedly about it. I was like, okay, cool. Like, you know, we'll deal with that. It doesn't make a difference. And it hasn't. It doesn't make a difference. It hasn't made a difference. And we have dealt with it. But I, yeah. So obviously because neither of us really knew what was going to happen or how bad it was going to get, I guess I couldn't have reacted any differently to that. So yeah, I just you you told me about this thing. You told through some uh, some medical words at me that I didn't really understand, and uh, I was like, "Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll just we'll deal with this." It didn't change the fact that I wanted our relationship to continue and stuff. So, I think that overrid any fear, any like worries or fears that I had about endo.
0: And what about when you started to see the reality of it? Did you feel anything particular then?
1: Not straight away. I'd say probably when like the first few months would happen and I'd see you in loads of pain and like, you'd be really like tired and stuff. I was probably too engrossed in like being actually like worried about you and kind of shocked to see you in that state. Mm. But definitely like, I don't know, let's say like a year in or something when it's like, okay, so this is still here and it's like not really going. And I think by then, by a year in, you probably had started, working on improving your symptoms with a lot of the stuff you do now but
0: yeah i had because we'd gone to cape town already by then
1: yeah but obviously there was still a long way to go Mm. like there was you still having bad bad times so i think when like the um finality of it the the, like the permanence of that might be with you forever hit that was like pretty worrying and pretty like I don't know what the word is. Worrying doesn't sound like the right word. Mm. Scary? Yeah, yeah, I guess it was. Yeah, scary that that was going to be part of our life for however long. And then hearing things about like the increased risk of like uh, ovarian cancers and things like that. Like, that's obviously scary for any partner to think about their partner getting cancer.
0: I don't think it's a really high risk. So. I'll find the stat on that and put that in... Before anyone freaks out, I'll find the stat and put that in the... Um,
1: yeah, and exactly. Remember that I'm talking about how I felt
0: At the previously. time, yeah.
1: To counter that, the relief that I've found in the last, like, two years about how drastically you've reduced your symptoms to the point where you can often live a life as if you don't have endometriosis... Yeah. ...is like... Or oh, it's having all that worry and fear lifted.
0: So... How do you think it affects our relationship? And I guess you can talk about how it previously affected it and how it affects it currently because it has changed quite dramatically like you just explained.
1: It is difficult to say because we've never had a relationship without it. Yeah. Other than really true. I guess now, which almost some like kind of feels like it sometimes is without it. Cause it came back pretty hard pretty early on in our relationship don't really have anything to compare it to. It's kind mm. of always kind of always been a force. It's always been like the third person in the relationship. Yeah. But impacts that I think it probably does have on it is for example, our like routine or our activities outside of work. So I don't I don't really know what you'd call them. What do you call them? Like fun times. <laughs> you know? <laughs>
0: I don't know. It's just like your spare time.
1: Yeah, so like it definitely affects our spare time in terms of like when you're really like tired or mm. in a lot of pain, or what you can eat, what you can't eat. That's probably like quite a big one because because uh, eating out revolves so much around like the endo diet. Yeah, and the, as it should because that's so impactful for you. your symptoms but like sometimes I just want to eat loads of like soy and wheat and sugar (laughs) so (laughs) yeah you do and in terms of like yeah like I mean neither of us really drink alcohol that is no but I wonder if that would be different if you didn't have endo
0: I don't think so you don't really drink
1: no I don't I don't know but that's that's a way that it affects Mm. it who knows like how it could be different if we were less restricted by where we went out to eat, when we could go out to do stuff, how much alcohol we consumed. Yeah, um, We'd probably cook less at home.
0: Yeah, we cook a lot at home.
1: Which, I mean, we'd be worse cooks <laughs> and probably have less money. So really, that's actually a good thing.
0: Yeah, I think in a, in a way, I think we don't get too do as much exciting stuff like I like try and experiment with new foods at the weekend to a degree but like I do feel a bit like well the thing is I I, I don't actually think it's the food that affects us going out so much to be honest I think it's the way that endometriosis has affected my budget I don't really think it's down to food because wherever we go you there's always something that you can eat on the menu. And we always choose good places to eat. Like it's not like you eat exactly the same as I eat. And there's so many vegan and healthy food places that I go to with my friends that I love. I think it's mo- it's much more that like we manage time in order for me to manage my energy, especially now we're in Margate. Like I can't really go out. If I go out on a Friday night and then come back, you know, even if I left at 10, I'm getting home at midnight. And then by the time I'm ready for bed, it's going to be at least half 12. Then that kind of affects how I am for the rest of the weekend. And that's difficult because now I like for a couple of years now, I've like worked at the weekend at some stage. And I'm now obviously doing my course as well. But then on top of that, because I've had to like, change my, I've kind of like, downgraded my jobs over the past couple of years to the point that now I'm self-employed which isn't a downgrade obviously it's like a step up but because I'm self-employed I'm building my way up and I'm managing there's a there's a cap on what I can do energy wise my income has taken such a massive hit so I feel like we're obviously really really careful with budget as a result of that so I think like if if we had more if we had more money and I had more energy we would probably go out more to eat don't you think
1: yeah yeah i probably agree um and yeah as well something that i thought of as you were saying that is not just budget but yeah your routine mm. to manage your to manage your symptoms you have a very strict routine so that doesn't really allow for spontaneity
0: what do you mean like during the week
1: yeah anytime whenever whenever feels spontaneous to, like, just go and do something. I don't really have... Yeah. Because, do you
0: think I have a strict routine at the weekend?
1: Uh, I mean, your next, like, what, three months of weekends are, like, booked in?
0: But that's not because of endo. That's because of endo life.
1: Yeah, but it's all, like, the same... Because endo life is works around your endo, right? You ha- You have a strict routine so that you can succeed in all of these places while living with fatigue and getting to bed early and like mm. managing your symptoms. Yeah. So this, this structured routine allows you to still achieve despite that. Yeah. Right. I feel like that's, I feel like the more success you find with a strict routine, the more heavily you lean into it, which is good. Cause why wouldn't you?
0: Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I feel like this makes me sound really obsessive.
1: But that's how you've managed to go from like having really bad endos to having virtually no symptoms. Obsessive isn't the right word, but like disciplined. You've had to be disciplined with it. Yeah. To see results.
0: Yeah, I think, yeah, we would probably stay out later and stuff, right? At the weekends
1: and things. Yeah, yeah, stay out later.
0: And also you don't really, like, it's affected how you eat, but for for the better really, right? Yeah because we eat like an like an anti-inflammatory diet and we eat plant-based and we eat really good sources of protein. Yeah, I don't know. Like you have had to change your diet, but like how do
1: you feel about that? I mean, yeah, I've definitely had to change my diet for the better. I've eaten like, I didn't have a terrible diet before. When I lived with my parents, I had a terrible diet. And then when I moved, lived on my own, I had a pretty good diet into spice with some pretty bad stuff but yeah now it's very good it it, it's basically an endo diet with a few of my own additions on top but again how that affects it it's not it's not that i wish i could eat all this other stuff but i want to i have to eat this endo diet stuff it's more like the spontaneity of like oh why don't we just go do this thing later why don't we just go and eat at that place but then, oh, it doesn't serve gluten-free or something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes but, um, sense.
1: But no, in terms of yeah, like my own health, eating like that is definitely definitely beneficial. I feel feel great, especially these these morning smoothies that I've like stolen from you. <laughs> I knew you were gonna bring that up.
0: There was something you said earlier.
1: Oh, hang on.
0: Oh, you said that. You get annoyed with me because you misinterpret my tiredness and take it personally. I have no idea at what point you're annoyed with me. Like, you might be annoyed at me. You might be, I don't know, like, thinking about something else or whatever. I don't know. I just need some clarification around that.
1: But yeah, I think, like, it's just its just an extension of what we were saying earlier about how, like, when the person you're with is, like really tired and just wants to like I mean tiredness obviously affects people's mood how much they like want to interact with you how much they want to kind of bounce off your own silliness and like you know what's the word I'm looking for repartee is that the word
0: I don't even know what that is
1: no I might just have to edit that out it's probably not the word (laughs) (laughs) but um but yeah, when someone's got like a lot of tiredness or brain fog or chronic pain, it can make them like sad and uncomfortable and unhappy. Mm. And if you're with someone like 24-7 and their default is like that, then you can take it personally. You can be like, well, like, what's the point in like, if I'm not making you happy, like, what's the point? You know, I've, and I guess it's partly me getting annoyed at what should be getting annoyed at endo, but it's just, you're the thing that's, it's being taken out on. And it's partly like an insecurity thing of like, of me not being enough and then getting annoyed at you about that.
0: Yeah. My answer to that is we go to sleep earlier, (laughs) but I don't, yeah. I mean, I think. If you removed the fact that I'm a very driven person and I've got lots of dreams and goals, none of this would be as much of an issue. But I think what you witness is more my frustration at the fact that I want to be at a certain place. And I know that I, if I had more energy, I would be in a certain place. And so whenever I am tired, it just sets me back more. And I'm already further back. I'm already behind, you know, in comparison to the Jess that if you compared me to where I would be if I didn't have endo. So every day that I feel like that, that's another step. Like it's not another step backwards because this is my reality and there's no point me comparing myself to a Jess that doesn't exist. But like, you, I mean, your brain actually struggles to produce happy hormones. Like I'm, just, I'm explaining this in a very basic way, but you are you. Well, if you're tired, you're much more likely to experience feelings of depression, anxiety, and it's actually chemically more difficult to make serotonin and yeah, other happy hormones. So it's harder for me to reason with myself and be kind to myself and say, you know, it's fine. You're, you know, you'll pick up you'll pick up on the next day, and you'll probably end up making up for it anyway, or the amount of progress you make during ovulation is so great that it probably evens out over the month, or, you know, like, it's harder for me to have that conversation with myself, because I'm tired, so I'm not, I'm emotional, I'm more likely to be feeling depressed and anxious, and I don't have the chemicals, The, the I don't have the happy hormones to to boost me, um and also i don't have the cognitive function to think in a solution focused way so i'll power through i'll i'll make it through the day but it's it's frustrating as someone who has particular drive where i think maybe if i just had a job that i wasn't i didn't care about as much then i guess i just wouldn't be as frustrated i wouldn't be thinking where do i where could i be instead and also i think like you know this, like that I always want us to go to bed earlier, so I think there's always that feeling of like if we had a better bedtime routine, I would feel better most of the time, and I think like fatigue is such a the my last like my the last thing that I need to be and I don't think I can do that until I sort my sleep out, and it takes me so many like you fall asleep, but I'm still awake for hours my, a lot of the time. So even though in your head you're like, Oh, we're going to bed and it's like it's not that late, it's eleven or it's half eleven. And obviously sometimes we get to bed at like ten or whatever. But then I've got I'm not falling asleep at that time. So it's and then obviously the later it gets, the more anxious I'm getting about getting sleep. So it makes it even harder to fall asleep. So I think I'm probably a bit angry about that because I don't think you probably understand as much about how difficult that is for me and how important it is to get to bed but I I know that I will work late and I'm trying to like nip that but I think one of the reasons why I ended up starting to work late is because we I knew you didn't want to go to bed that early so then I started like working late and being more flexible but actually I don't think that's worked in my favor at all and now I'm like in the habit of like working until nine or sometimes. Well, I'm, I'm clocking it off at nine now. So, yeah, I think probably what you're witnessing is frustration, which, yeah, it's nothing to do with you. It's to do with where I am in life and where I want to be and all of the things that I know I'm capable of doing. So, OK, so that's all the ways that it affects us. But what about the ways that we cope with endo that you think are helpful
1: even though I know that your next follow up question is going to be what aren't we so good at? So I'm going to preempt to that. And I'm going to say that what we're not so good at is communicating. But what I would kind of, what kind of links to that, which I think we're good at is understanding. So when we, when we talk about something, when we do actually get around to like bringing it up, talking about it, we're pretty understanding of each other's struggles I think I'm pretty understanding of endo it helps that I know a lot about it now because of the work that you do and like a lot of the things that I write as well got pretty good understanding of the condition and the symptoms and how it affects you so that's yeah that's something actually that we do well um that we both know quite a lot about the condition so that removes a lot of like the mystery around it I think if you were trying to if you were trying to uh, deal with a lot of these symptoms but didn't really know the cause of them, that could, be, that could be way messier and more difficult to deal with. So I think that's good. And I think that, yeah, we're understanding when we talk to each other about it and patient.
0: I, I think um, I am very verbal. So you will know pretty much every single day where I'm at with my endo. It's not like I tell you, like, today I'm feeling like this with endo, but, like, I say it, right? As soon as I wake up, I'm like, oh, I'm really tired or my bladder hurts today or, do you know what I mean? I think you, so you're never really in the dark with that, I feel.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that.
0: Right? And I think, like, because it is part of what I do, I involve you with that. Whereas I think like perhaps a lot of people, well not a lot, I, just some people might feel like they don't want to burden their partner or it's private or it's, I'm put, I'm putting this in quotations, like women's issue, but obviously we know like trans men can deal with it, non-binary, et cetera, but like they might feel like a bit awkward about talking about it with their partner so i think if you were if i was trying to deal with this on my own and i never let you in on how i was coping with it oh i didn't talk to you about it like do you think that that i feel like that would really make yeah, things 100%. a lot more difficult do you
1: 100 well it would just be like be awful we have i have no idea what was going on and i'd have no idea why you were like <laughs> tired or miserable or whatever
0: yeah, so I, fi- I find like I get messages from people about stuff like this and then when we talk it turns out that they haven't told their partner about endo or explained it to them or they might say oh, I've got endo but they haven't told them all of the symptoms and I think that shocks me because I don't think you can share. If it works for you then that obviously that's cool. So I'm not saying this to be critical but I think if you are looking to share your life with someone but then you're not sharing all of the parts of you because you're ashamed or you're embarrassed or you don't want to burden them, then it it is going to be difficult at times.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine not knowing about it and then you still having to deal with all those issues. That seems so counterintuitive. Like it's going to make it very difficult to deal with as a couple. Uh, I f- yeah, I feel that the fact that I know quite a lot about it as well as you know quite a lot about it means that we have a good vocabulary to discuss it. Ooh, so, that's a good you know what, point yeah yeah, exactly having that language so we um yeah it, it means that our conversations that we have around it are more useful, and we probably get more out of mm-hmm. them and can come up with better strategies of how to, how we're going to deal with it as a couple.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Just a reminder that this episode is sponsored by BU. BU have just brought out a high quality CBD range which is independently tested and aims to be the purest and highest quality CBD on the market. I've said this before, but the guys behind BU have a pharmaceutical background and so everything they do is really thoroughly researched and tested and backed by science. Their CBD oral range contains full-spectrum CBD and is made with simple and natural ingredients. Their spray contains full-spectrum cannabidiol extract, raw organic coconut oil, and natural flavoring. That's for the berry spray. They also come in two other flavors, lemon, which again just has natural flavoring, and the natural, which is simply just the two oils. The sprays are priced at 24 dollars for a 300mg strength and $39.99 for a 600mg strength. If you'd like to check out the CBD range, which includes muscle balm, drops and spray, head to the link in my show notes and please do let me know if you try it out. I'd love to hear. This episode is also sponsored by my free guide, Managing Endometriosis Naturally. If you don't know where to start with beginning to take a holistic approach to Managing your endometriosis symptoms, then this might help you. Um if you'd like to download it, just head to the show head to the show notes and follow the link and you can get your free copy. Okay, well, you've already touched upon this. So what do you think are the ways that we don't cope with it so well?
1: Yeah, like it's just yes, the communication thing, in case anyone listening couldn't tell. I'm not like the most open, talkative, uh, for forgoing? Is that the word? forthcoming.
0: Yeah, yeah, forthcoming
1: like that. person. I'm pretty like closed and introverted. Mm. I guess that can be very frustrating for you. Yes. And that goes into like you know relationship stuff as well, which endo very much falls under. Yeah, that's the big one. I can't think of any others. Can you think of any others?
0: Um I think yeah, yeah I mean it, it definitely comes down to communication. I think I would like to plan things more and I think you don't. If that makes sense, like I think I would feel less frustrated like going back to me feeling like I'm frustrated where I am in my life because of endo, then if I had this isn't really how we cope with endo. I think it's an it indirectly links, but like if we were okay so i work 3 months ahead but on top of that like i i kind of know what i'm doing for the next 3 years <laughs> which is completely normal if you have a business plan you you, t- you generally know what you're doing for the next 5 years um and it's flexible completely flexible and you might get it all done in a year or you might get it done in i don't know 10 years who knows but you have kind of like a plan to work to and that's really helpful for me. I'm making myself sound like such an obsessive person, but it is normal.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think you have to worry about sounding um I don't think you have to go on the defensive about it. Like you're a disciplined person and that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, but I'm flexible as well. And I yeah, and I have my downtime and stuff. Yeah. But I think because we don't plan for our future in the same way. I mean, I guess I try to, but then I feel like I'm pushing you a lot with the plans. That sounds like I'm trying to push you to get married, but I'm not, by the way, people, I'm not into getting married, <laughs> so I'm not trying to force him down the aisle. as um, we have not an announced Down the aisle. Live I said, down, on the podcast. Down the aisle. Um, no, more like where we're going to live and traveling and stuff like that. I think... That all accumulates into this ball of frustration that I have about where I am, especially because I'm older than you as well. And I think you're much more happy to go with the flow and I'm not. We're quite, I I wouldn't even say we're quite polar. I think we're completely polar opposites in that respect. Also, I think when I'm like, okay, I can have some sugar and coffee, you're like, yay. And then we like indulge a bit too much (laughs) at the weekends. And then I feel like shit come Monday. Most Mondays I feel pretty rough. And I notice when I wasn't doing that kind of binge or like over... Con- if I was just a little bit more limited or or even just balance my blood sugar over the weekend. Because come the weekend I just I just don't balance my blood sugar really at all. And then come Monday I just crash. So Mondays are really hard days for me. Always. And It's not a nice way to start the week. So how,
1: how you feeling today?
0: Uh, yeah, same. Just, but I mean, ov- I'm like at the end of ovulating, so this is probably the best Monday that I have all month. I think like we're both really big foodies, aren't we? Yeah. So we can like really like create some monster meals and puddings sometimes. But it's fun. It's just having like I I don't know, like oh. Should we just have this, should we get a smaller chocolate bar? Because that worked quite well, didn't it? Do you remember when we were getting small tubs of ice cream and chocolate? Yeah. I mean, I thought it worked quite well. I reckon you
1: were quite disappointed. No, but like, I'm, sure my, I'm sure my future diabetes was thankful.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think I would like to go back to that. But I do think we can kind of bounce off each other in terms of food. We're like, oh, should we eat this? Should we eat that? Should we eat
1: that? Yeah. On the whole, we're pretty good at managing endo together and the main reason for that is i'm kind of i'm preempting your next question too which i think you're going to ask me about advice for other people um the reason that i think we're pretty good at managing as a couple is because we both know a lot about it and we've taken time Mm -hmm. to research it and that removes a lot of the mystery around it and that makes it a lot easier you know to tackle like in movies and stuff where you have to you have to learn about the monster and find out about, like, its weaknesses and things before you can, like... I feel like you're it. talking about Dungeons & Dragons here,
0: not really a movie. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Very <laughs> much. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. That does make sense. Well, you sort of preempted my last question, but not my second, my next question.
1: Ooh, curveball.
0: So... Okay, as a partner, what would make a difference to how you experience life with endo? Because one thing that I noticed that you do, and you do this in all areas of your life, is that you're a people pleaser. Yeah. And you, I wouldn't really say your own health or needs or desires are at the forefront of your life. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the columns that you write are quite like, it doesn't matter about you, you need to do this for that person. and but, But of course, if someone is struggling themselves with the strain of endo in the relationship, I mean, as in the partner, that might bubble up into resentment or disappointment or they might just be struggling to watch their partner in pain and they don't have anyone to talk to about it because they don't want to make the partner feel guilty. Mm. So I think it's still important to look after yourself as well So I don't know, yeah, like as a partner, like what would make a difference to how you experience endo?
1: I don't have anyone that I talk to about it other than you. Mm. So there's no one outside of the endo that I can talk to about any issues that I have with it. Um, Whether that affects me negatively or not, I'm not really sure because I haven't tried talking to anyone outside of it about it uh, with regards to what you're saying about like the, the columns that I write and stuff about being like, don't care about yourself, just do for the other person.
0: I mean, that was a gross like, exaggeration, but you know what I mean? Like the backbone yeah. of them. So
1: I think that that's coming from the perspective of me who I'm relatively healthy. Like, I don't have any pre-existing health conditions of my own. No. Uh, I don't have to visit the doctor. I'm of a fairly positive, mild-mannered disposition. I don't know if mild-mannered is the right word. You know? Yeah, I I think so. Like, pretty, like, level-headed. So I feel that that affords me to be able to think like that. Mm. If a partner has their own health issues and things going on, then that completely changes how I would, um, and I think I've made that clear in some of the columns as well.
0: Like, what would make a difference? Like, what would make it better for you? Or, hypothetically speaking, for someone else?
1: Yeah, I mean, I wonder if, I wonder if talking to, like, a counsellor or something about it would help. I couldn't say until I'd done it, because I haven't done it in any aspect of my life I mean I know people around me who are very much like up for like talking to counselors and stuff uh, but I haven't done it myself um, but that could help and that is definitely something even though I haven't done it I can 100% see the benefits of it and would recommend that other people if you are a partner of someone with endometriosis and you feel maybe a lot of pressure from the weight of it then having a third party to speak to that isn't you, that isn't your partner. Sorry, um, could really help. You could help you get things off your chest that you might not want to say to your partner because you don't want to guilt them or put more of a burden on them. Or if you need like a neutral outsider to have a perspective on it, maybe help you see it from a different angle, or from outside of the relationship. Mm. Yeah, and that doesn't have to be as formal as a counselor it could be another another friend i um. i mean i have friends that i talk to about it but often if we're talking about endometriosis i'm more just like educating them about the condition more so yeah. than like interpersonal relationship problems that it brings up yeah that's true
0: and one, i i forgot about this but one of the other things i think we do well although i think it has its issues is that like we share roles so we share the cooking and we share the washing up yep and if i cook you generally wash up or if i what cook or you cook i wash up or if i need to work late then you'll do the bulk of it or if i'm like unwell you will look after me um you will kind of take care of the house mm-hmm. I think we're not very good at keeping on top of the house and I think we need to get a cleaner. (laughs) Um, I think that's the thing. Like, I feel like if you are struggling for time and energy and so is your partner, then if you can afford it to outsource some help.
1: Yeah, that's a good idea.
0: um, Even if that's like, whether that's like ordering, you know, like having a subscription for like pre-made meals like healthy pre-made meals if you've got the money or getting a cleaner. I think that's really helpful. And I think we could afford a cleaner now. And like, I just haven't had the time to look it up. But, you know, I need to book one. And I think because I prioritise my dreams and goals so much, I think you've kind of naturally taken on more of a caring, I don't know. You'll just take, a, you'll take a bulk of the house responsibilities because you know that I can't, I can't like achieve my goals and dreams and look after my health and do all of the housework. Yep. There's just like not the time. So often like, or the energy, but so often I feel like you will just, I'll be still do, I'll be like working on my course, which I'll do like most evenings really. And then you might do some stuff around the house. Right. So I think we like naturally fall into yeah yeah into
1: into place with that yeah. and I'd say maybe that isn't entirely um a a kind of caring selfless thing I also I also really can't deal with like messy stuff so I just constantly have to like tidy up that's just an issue of my own
0: No I think it's yeah so it's a good thing but i'm much more likely to be like oh the podcast has got to get out and i've got to do two days straight of interviews and the washing up will just have to come at the end of those two days because i need to get this done
1: yeah yeah and i think that's a good thing too for for getting progress because a lot of the time i'm just doing it because it just stresses me out yeah not entirely because of like it's a selfless act for you although that comes into it too obviously um, yeah um that's just yeah that's just my own neuroses that it makes me do that as well
0: no but i think it's a good thing like if i had the time i wouldn't if i had the time and energy i would like to keep the house in a really lovely state but i don't so my priorities have to be my health and where do i want to get to in life i, I have to like pick and choose what gets the attention do you know what i mean yeah Okay, so this is the last question now. What tips can you share for partners out there that you think are helpful, um, both for the partner and for, like, the person with endo?
1: Yeah, so definitely to um, educate both, both, both you and your partner. Just learn as much as you can about the condition. You know, know know the symptoms know how it affects people and not just not just the generic stats that you see online but also how it personally affects your partner Um, and if you yeah if you really learn the condition intimately it removes a lot of the mystery around like why you or your partner are feeling how they are, what has triggered them to feel like that, how you can avoid those things. And then allows you to have, you know, a good relationship where you go out and you do things and you go out for dinner and da-da-da without triggering the endo. Mm. So that's probably like the most important thing is to know what you're up against. And to really educate yourself about it. Uh, other than that, I'd say to like just be flexible and understanding. It's not. It can't. It. It's not always a predictable condition. I think once you really start to learn about it and you can manage your symptoms, it does become quite predictable. Like you now yeah. are pretty good at knowing like what you can and can't eat, what you can and can't do, when you are and aren't going to get pain, and we can work around that but if you're not quite so good at managing your symptoms yet it can be unpredictable plans might have to get cancelled you know things might have to get changed around changed so just be flexible understanding patient you know it sounds silly but just just you should really just be that like that with your partner whether they've got endo or not but in case it needs repeating for
0: anyone yeah and I think um another helpful tip that we don't really do but I I think like go to doctor's appointments with that person because it's when you go to a doctor's appointment I find often personally because I deal with it every day I almost get a bit climatized to it and then I go to a doctor's appointment and it the gravity of what I'm dealing with hits me and I can feel quite alone and vulnerable in that moment. And also I think it's also, it's like quite important for that partner to witness that and realize what it's like going to the hospital and having all these different tests and being prodded and poked and, and you're just not on your own. Like that time, obviously I passed out in my pre-op, like it it would have been I probably I probably wouldn't have passed out if you were there I imagine it wouldn't have never got to that point so I think like we don't do it I I usually go on my own obviously but and also I I haven't had an a appointment for a really long time because I don't need it um but that doesn't mean you can't you shouldn't get your checkups people you should but um yeah like we're not doing that but I think generally. I think it it's really helpful to have your partner there if you want them to. And I think it's helpful for both of you because your partner can remember things that you might forget or vice versa. And then your partner's kind of invested in that journey with you. They know what you're going through. They know the reality of it. It's not like you're, if you're, if you're having problems with a partner who thinks you're exaggerating or you're dramatic or like, because so I, I still think that sometimes you probably think I'm exaggerating or because I'm quite verbal with it. No, I don't think and so. I don't think
1: that ever happens.
0: I don't know. And because my family, like look at my mum yesterday. She was like, be careful when you go to Bali because, you know, you've got bad health. Yeah. <laughs> like I just worry that it sounds dramatic and like an for exaggeration or something. So I think it's, it's reassuring to go there to a doctor's and then have like that person see as first hand information rather than you going back and then having that paranoia that that person doesn't really believe you.
1: Yeah.
0: Because as people with endo, we've we experience not being believed all the time. So it's really it's really easy to have that paranoia about anyone in your life not really believing you. Yeah. So yeah, I think that could be that's a helpful tip. Um, and
1: I'll I'll come with you to your next
0: appointment. Well. Yeah, I mean we've if talked about that. <laughs> I don't know when I'm going to have one. Hopefully not soon.
1: Um I'll do the surgery myself.
0: <laughs> I don't even have a doctor actually right now. I'm under no I'm under no care. That's really bad. Oh, yeah, I think like relationship counseling and making time to invest in that is really important. Like I know you wouldn't be down for it, but like I would have like and if I had the money I would have my own like life coach, my own counselor, a couples counselor, because I just think it's so healthy. And all the research that I've done from interviewing people and reading up on it is that like having regular like contact with that external person who can help you work out minor things before they become big things is really help, really healthy and helpful. And I know like Julia Allen, Julia Allen, she recommends that. If you got, if you are open to that as a part as a partnership, then having like, I don't know, like if you are struggling to go to couples counseling together, or if you are not struggling, just having that kind of like, I, I don't know, like a monthly, lo- like joint life coaching call or joint relationship coaching call once a month, just to check in, just to have that maintenance before things like snowball. But obviously, I've got like a really, I've got an interview of a relationship coach and that's not coach psychotherapists so listen to that if you're interested in more of that cool do you have any more tips to share
1: oh i think there was some there were some good tips okay
0: cool well yeah thank you for being on and have fun
1: editing this interview yes yeah, all right i feel relaxed cuz i'm in full control of what comes out <laughs> of my mouth in the editing process okay safe. cool
0: all right thanks babe
1: cool see you later bye bye
0: so that's it thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about what I do or read more on endometriosis and living well with it, um, you can head to my Instagram page, which is this underscore endolife. Um, you can head to my website, which is www.thisendolife.com. And You can also get um, a free guide to managing endometriosis naturally on my website. Um, I've put the link in my show notes. It's a beginner's guide to getting started and all of the areas that I um, have worked on to help reduce my endometriosis symptoms and pain and live well with endometriosis. As always, if you like this show, please rate, review and or subscribe really truly does help others to hear the podcast and hopefully will help them to live better with endometriosis this episode was produced by the pod farm whether you're an established podcaster or just getting started visit thepodfarm.com to see how they can help you go from an idea to a finished show that's ready to be heard by the world